so what I mean by that is like basically let luck come towards you, right? Yes. Luck, like obviously you can't grab it in, in, in the air and bring it to you, but you could position yourself for luck. A really good metaphor that I actually heard is that if you want to capture lightning, for example, you're you're probably going to have a better chance of capturing lightning if you go outside in the thunderstorm and put up a lightning rod, right, and capture it that way, yeah. as opposed to going outside on a sunny day with nothing but your bare hands, right? It's just a concept, right? Like, set yourself up for luck and set yourself up for serendipity, and it'll come to you. The opportunities will come yes. to you, right? Put yourself out there, right? Create content, start companies, right? Start projects, you know, help people, whatever it may be, just cre- maximize serendipity and all these good things will come to you. Hello, dreamers and action takers. Welcome to another episode of the Want Money, Got Money podcast. I'm your host, Sam Kamani, and my guest today is Rahul Rana. So Rahul is an author of the well-known book, Making Moonshots. He is also an associate for Lux Capital who invest in moonshots. So let's hear more from him, everything about making a moonshot, and more. So welcome Rahul. Welcome to the podcast. It's great to have you here. I saw about your new book, which is about moonshots. And I've been super curious to find out about Mm -hmm. it and find out about your own personal journey and what you're working Mm -hmm. on these days. Awesome. Yeah, no, thank you for having me. I'm excited to speak to you about it. Yeah. So yeah, tell me about like, how did you get started with writing a, a book? What inspired it? Yeah, of course. So I guess yeah, my, my journey really starts as a kid. Most, most people who are familiar with the tech world, I'm assuming they they know like Bell Labs, right? Really you know, influential, really impactful sort of research lab. And, and especially in the past century, all the breakthroughs, inventions, you know, all the everything that just came from that lab is just so incredibly impactful for our everyday lives. And my dad, he 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 works there and he's worked there my entire life. So you know, as a kid, I'd always go to the research labs. I'd see all the all the Nobel Prize winners, they have like their plaques on the wall and they have all their inventions and they have a little museum. And I was just so excited. So just like so obsessed with it as a kid. And it's funny because once I got to middle school, high school, I locked off all that curiosity and, and I fell in with, you know, like the finance crowd, right? Like the business uh, side of things. And yeah, you know, I learned a lot about that. I was really interested in it back then. And then I came to college. I'm currently 19 years old. I'm a second year at, at Rutgers University. And so when last year, when I first started university, I, I started doing more work in finance. I realized like, okay, like maybe it's not what I entirely expected. And I realized like, all right, like why not I just like combine sort of all my interests that I ever had and work to my strengths in finance and business and everything, but also in the context of science and technology and research and all those things that I grew up on. And I just decided like I right, to, to combine to I really fell in love with all things deep tech, you know, startups or deep tech VC and and and, and the combination of all those things. And after that, it, it just became, I just became super obsessed with it. Absolutely loved it. It's just, it's so fulfilling to me. It's it's like really like building like building the future, right? Building things that actually matter, right? doing the hard things, the challenging things. I just became, you know, really obsessed with all those things. And again, I had all this energy, all this passion. I was like, all right, like what can I do with it? I decided to write a book. And then, yeah, I, you know, I, I honestly, like I had no reputation in the space, right? I had no sort of name for myself and I really wanted to build that. So, you know, I used this book as a way to, to break into my space, right? Like learn more about it. It was honestly, it's funny. Like I always tell people, most people become an expert and then they write a book. I wrote this book to become an expert. That, that, that's how I went about it, right? I used that as an excuse to talk to top founders and top VCs and executives. I interviewed them for my book, became you know friends with them, right? You know, had a lot of conversations with them, did a lot of like, like deep research, talked to experts and things like that. Had an awesome sort of research process and the writing process was really just like, it's just amazing. I learned so much and put that into a digestible, fun sort of manner. And yeah, just uh, yeah, I started January of this year, so right before COVID hit, and then throughout COVID, like that's when I did the bulk of my work. I just made the most of the time I had at home because I was at home 
you know, the entire time throughout the COVID and then, you know, quarantine period. And yeah, now it's December and I just published it like three weeks ago. So it's like, pretty cool. It's just, you know, it's really fresh. Just, just uh, finally finding time to relax after this is a super, super busy and super crazy year. But, but yeah, no, that's really how I got started. And because of the book and everything throughout the research process, I, I spoke to the managing partner at the VC from the at Lux Capital. They're, they're a deep tech, you know, venture yeah. capital firm, right? They invest in moonshot companies. So I, you know, I just went up to them. And I was like, Hey, like his name is Josh. And I was just like, Hey Josh, like I could hustle. I could do the research. Like I, I, I researched exactly what you guys invest in. Like, can I work for you? And he was just like, absolutely. Like he, he brought me on as an intern. And yeah. So ever since then, I've just been at Lux Capital, you know, just published this book and I'm looking to pursue a you know career in all things moonshots and deep tech and everything. Oh, that's fantastic. And so what were your key findings of when you did research moonshots? What were your maybe two or three key findings that moonshots, how are they different in their early stages? Yeah, yeah, of course. So it, there's there, there's so many things. So I, I you know, the way I structure my book, right, I broke it down into psychology slash mindset, philosophy, yeah. strategy, and ecosystem. So yeah, you know, there's so many things I could like, I could speak. There's so many things I found, but I think like the most interesting thing is that a lot of the moonshot founders, they actually have this like this this underlying sort of common quality to themselves. I call it radical creativity. People can call it like you know whatever they want to, but basically it's just that they have this different perspective on the world. It's their they have these sort of you know seemingly opposing traits, right? They're super optimistic, but they're really pessimistic, right? They're really responsible, but they're really childish and naive and, and imaginative, right? right? Like the rooted and grounded reality. But they 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 think in fantasy, right? What's whatever is possible? They dream big, right? They're ambitious, they're bold. All these really cool factors that I really I really think that if if everyone can harness, like we could truly do take on you know, the grand challenges, right? The, solve the really hard problems. And again, like it's funny because the term moonshot, right? It, it originates from the Apollo missions, right? When you know President John F. Kennedy went back in the '60s, right? And NASA and everything, right? I'm sure people people know that story, just to go into the moon and and whatnot for the first time and. When JFK, President JFK, made his first speech, right, in the early uh, 1960s, going to the moon was impossible at the time, right? They did not have spacesuits, they didn't have this technology, they didn't have space food, they didn't have the navigation systems, the computing power, they had nothing, right? He just had this one speech. He, he said the speech and everything, and he's, he did it to just, like, you know, really rile up, really mobilize the you know, public, right, inspire them to, you know, again, to take on grand challenges, right, to do the hard things. And at the time, it was impossible. And within a decade, we got to the moon, right? They made yeah. those, they made those technological and scientific advancements, right? They did the research. They had this successful mission. And it's like moonshot companies, right? It's just like representative of that, right? It's a metaphor for going to the moon, right? Doing the hard things, the seemingly impossible, the technically and scientifically difficult things, and the things that have a broad impact. And they impact whatever workflow of society or however many millions of billions of people. And I just thought it was like, it's honestly so inspiring, right? It, 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 it's like so empowering. And that's like that energy, right? Like that sort of notion, that's what these moonshot founders harness, right? And they put it into their work and they, and they put it into their startups and even just their lives, even if it's not a startup, right? I mentioned in my book, like it doesn't have to be a startup, right? A moonshot can be any sort of personal goal, whatever may be it's like, like the mindset, right? Yeah. It's funny. Like, like that's like the biggest thing I, I realized is that like all these really, I, I obviously speak in the context of startups, right? So all these big startups, right? moonshot companies they always they start in the mindset and and that's what i realized like anyone can harness that mindset it's not there's you know many people think oh you have to be a billionaire to start these you know big companies right or you have to be have a phd background you honestly don't and i, I give tangible examples of people who haven't and again all they ever did was just they harness that mindset right they just get in touch with the ecosystem right they become incredibly resourceful and then they make their company right they make their moonshot and 
and, and there they go, right? And then there you go. Like you're a moonshot founder at the end of the day. It's I wrote my book uh, honestly to, to break down those barriers, right? Those preconceived, you know, misconceptions about like really anyone can start a moonshot, right? It's all in the mindset. And that was probably like the most sort of impactful thing and most of my favorite thing to research on is how to how to impart that that mindset onto people, right? I, I, so I really want to be like an actionable book, not just a book, oh, here's the qualities, take it, but like rather like I teach people, you know, how to actually harness it and hopefully inspire them and and then hopefully you can get them started on making the moonshots, yeah. Yep, yep. I cannot agree more that it is all in the mindset. Recently, yeah, I read yeah. a book. I don't know if you have come across it. It's called It's All in the Head by Russ. It's by a rapper. It's amazing. I love it. I absolutely <laughs> love it. And it's all about yeah. mindset and having that sort of, he pretty yeah. much had that mindset and that's what made him. Yeah. And I can completely see and my mindset in my own personal life, it has changed drastically in the last six months or three months. And, yeah. and what I have managed to achieve in the six months is more than or six to nine months is more than what I did in the 19 years before. <laughs> so it is so much in the mindset and yeah. yeah, couldn't agree more. So what are some of the ways to harness it for someone listening? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's, there's so many ways. And also, I, there's so many like, different you know, qualities that I, that I mentioned. I just like off the top of my head, like, yeah, I talk about radical creativity and how you could you know, spur that, whether it be, you know, Choosing, yeah, choosing to, yeah, have these really big, audacious, big, audacious, hairy goals, whatever you want to call it, right? These long-term goals yes. that are probably impossible to reach in the moment, right? But like, you have these large long-term goals, but then the trick is that every single small-term goal, right, medium-term goal, those are actually very realistic. And just, you know, the culmination of all of them is this sort of going to the moon, right, doing the hard things, right? The really lofty, almost impossible goals. And, you know, that, that's just like one way how people think of it. Another way is just do the, I'm, I'm sure it's, it's very intuitive, right? Like, just like do the hard things, right? Do the things that, that, that no one else is doing, the really ambitious, really bold mm-hmm. things. That, again, like you, you have this, like what's normally, you know, considered and expected from anyone, right? Again, it's in any industry, right? In any sort of project, it doesn't have to be a startup. Again, I just talk about it in the context of startups, which we really mm-hmm. for anything, but just like, you know, whatever like the norm is for whatever group that you're in, go the extra mile, right? Like dream bigger and be more ambitious, right? Be more, you know, so bold and whatever. And, and again, right to your point, how do you do that? You know, there, there's so many things, right? having a an ecosystem that's really conducive to that right having this i I talk about like like you're really like this concept of like you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with right so you make those five people right really bold people right really ambitious people right people that sort of align with your mission that motivate you that sort of right so like cultivate this like really solid environment once you're in this right environment right maybe it's a university right maybe it's a club maybe it's honestly just a group chat with a group a couple of friends that are just really motivating and really inspiring once you have that you know, you just have to be incredibly resourceful, right? Do things that people don't expect you to do. So much of this sort of this concept of maximizing serendipity, right? You know, the, the, so what I mean by that is like, basically let luck come towards you, right? Yes. Luck, like obviously you can't grab it in, in, in the air and bring it to your, but you could position yourself for luck. A really good metaphor that I actually heard is that if you want to capture lightning, for example, you're you're probably going to have a better chance of capturing lightning if you go outside in the thunderstorm and put up a lightning rod, right, and capture it that way, yeah. as opposed to going outside on a sunny day with nothing but your bare hands, right? It's just yeah. a concept, right? Like, set yourself up for luck and set yourself up for serendipity, and it'll come to you. The opportunities will come yes. to you, right? Put yourself out there, right? Create content, start companies, right? Start projects, you know, help people, whatever it may be, just cre- maximize serendipity and all these good things will come to you. That, that's how a lot of the founders I talk to, that's how they got started, right? They didn't Absolutely. think, oh, 
I'm going to make this moonshine company now. Like, like they, they had all these experiences in their lives and they're just like, you know, it was this natural extension of their life, their passions and their purpose and everything. And they, they realized like, all right, like all the things that they've ever done, it just naturally led to this, the progression of starting this company, right? And, and I, yes. the, this whole startup journey after that. And yeah, but that, that's what I tell everyone, right? To get started, right? Just like maximize serendipity of whatever it means to you, right? Make luck come towards you and find that right ecosystem. And once you do that, right? Again, read about these mindsets, right? Mental models, philosophies, whatever it may be, all these strategies and be incredibly resourceful. And you can do everything after that, after once, once you do those things. Yeah. So, yeah. Yep. No, that's great. Do you guys in your VC form that you are, I know they're, you've just started not that long ago, but yeah. do you guys have like a, I don't know, like a mandate or how you guys invest in a startup or what you look for in a startup? Yeah, yeah, of course. So Lux Capital, right, they're, they're a deep tech, yeah, we're a deep tech uh, VC firm, right? 2.5 billion AUM. Mm-hmm. And what's worked for Lux, what I really like is that they look for people with, you know, different backgrounds, right? People who had maybe like rough childhoods growing up who had some sort of adversity, right? They're, they're really like, maybe they have a disability. Maybe they have, you know, yeah. some, some they had, they experienced some hardship, right? Maybe they were poor, they come from a bad family, whatever it may be. And they realize like, those are the people who make really amazing companies. So that like when making it really early decisions, right? Maybe like pre-product or just like when they have an idea, right? You really have to you really consider like, what's the team like? Are they the right people in the entire world that are, that's supposed that, you know, is it their life's purpose to make this company? Right. And that's the thing yeah. about it. And, and there's so many things that looks, looks at as a typical VC from right business model, right team, idea, market, whatever it may be, all the typical things. Yes. But, you know, one thing that looks, looks at that other VCs don't. And again, to me, it's so intuitive, but I realize it's not, most people don't do it, which is uh, like, what's the, literally what's the impact of this company? Like, like, does it actually do any good in the world? Like what I realized is that a lot of VC firms, they optimize for yeah, revenue, right? The companies that they invest in, they're maybe they're maximizing ad revenue or doing whatever. That, that's just like, yeah, like cool. It solves some first world problem, but like, is it really going to change the lives of the people that that the, the customers? Right? Is it actually going to reduce human suffering? Is it actually needed outside of whatever sort of bubble Absolutely. that they live in, right? Or you know what I mean? And like, and, yeah. and honestly, like a lot of is companies it? in the U.S. Like, I'll, I'll totally admit this. Like, a lot of companies like they only solve U.S. problems, yeah. not the. You know what I mean? Like, like you mentioned before, actually, when we were previously talking before we started uh, yes. recording, right? You mentioned that, what, like, so 700K people know about Bitcoin or crypto, or whatever, right? I mean, the 8 billion people trade in the world. And, yeah, yeah. Exactly, right? Yeah. Like, the, the people who actually own, the percent of people who own stocks, like, again, like, this is just a hypothetical right, example, right? A lot of people are making products around people who buy and sell stocks, but, like, most of the world doesn't like I would like like ninety nine point nine nine percent of the world doesn't. So it's just like this concept of like building companies and investing into companies that actually have some wide scale impact, right? This widespread impact. This they're not just solving a very niche sort of thing, but rather this something on a grand scale. And that's what really Lux looks in, and that's what they invest in. And that they're the track record of all their sort of their companies and their exits and everything and the acquisitions and whatnot. Like it's it was always the companies that really just addressed a grand problem, like this really grand challenge at Yes. Um, inevitably they built the technology and the product to, to solve this thing and and yeah, again inevitably it just like exploded it's just like it's like so intuitive to me but i realized like all right like vc firms right like like they don't do that naturally because again 
Yeah, it's just, look, it's they might say a lot of VCs, they say that they are courageous, but they are not. They all want yeah. a very stable software yeah. as a solution <laughs> startup with triple yeah. double. I don't know if that term <laughs> and where the revenue is growing in that same. Yeah. It's like um, I've heard founders saying to me that every early stage VC who I talk to suddenly becomes a series B VC. <laughs> they all want a predictable um, revenue yeah. growth rate of 20% exactly. a month and and it's got yeah. to be in a like a ad or an analytic type product sa- software as a solution startup and yeah, they all yeah. want like it's all the same more or less yeah. but but very few because mm-hmm. it is very hard early stages it is hard. so yeah. many unknown yeah. factors mm-hmm. and as a vc they have to be good stewards of the money of lps that they have yeah, to answer again. to yeah. so they have that pressure they just want to bet on the sure bet where they can yeah. 5x their money and that's it that's mm-hmm. all <laughs> they yeah. care about absolutely yeah like I always mention, like, it's not wrong, right? You have an obligation to your LPs, right? To make yes. money, right? To do that thing. But I don't know, to, to me personally, like, one thing that Lux does, right? Like, I really like about Lux is that, like, they have that mandate for LPs, but they do so by also having this, you know, big impact on the world, right? Investing yeah. in companies that actually make a difference, right? That that that, that make really impactful products. And whether that's genomics or, or advanced AI and ML or yes. space companies, right? All these really, this, you know, really deep tech things. Like, they... That's what they look for, right? Like the companies that, that are operating in these, you know, really like on the outermost, you know, edges of science and technology, but they yeah. do it with a product, right? With a business in mind, like the sort of revenue generating, really impactful thing. And again, that's a moonshot, right? Like that's what a moonshot company is. And that's what I absolutely love. And, 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 and yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep. No, that's very true. Talking about your own book and your own journey, did you run an Indiegogo campaign for making moonshots? Yeah, I did. yeah, you probably saw that. Yeah, it was on my Twitter. Yeah. yeah, that's how I that's how I crowdfunded the publishing costs. So I was at a hybrid publisher, right? So basically, it's like a self publishing firm, right? Whole community, right? To help you and everything, but it's not traditional publishing. Yeah. If you know the difference, I'll like briefly say. So you know, there's sure. there's two routes when you're publishing a book, right? I'm sure you know this, right? Yeah. Traditional publishing, right? You have a firm, they take care of all the costs, and they have a, they have a, some sort of a stake in your book, right? They get some of the yes. profits, and they help you with marketing, or whatever. But again. They have like a, they almost have like, they don't really help your... you with marketing. I tell you right now, they were expecting oh, okay. the maybe, marketing maybe these not. days. Okay. <laughs> they don't have the budgets. There are no bookstores anymore. <laughs> it's all that's, online. That's, yeah. Yeah. Maybe a little bit outdated, but yeah. Right. Like yeah. They, they take a large share of your book yeah. percentage and, but they take care of all the costs. Ahead of but you them, get right? the name. That's all that you get name that you're published. Yeah. By so, yeah, and so yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I went the, the hybrid sort of self-publishing routes. I did pay a, um, a upfront cost to, you know, publish the book and everything, but, they helped me with they helped me with marketing, right? They helped me with sales, right? They helped me with the Indiegogo campaign and, and getting that. So I actually didn't pay anything out of pocket because I had oh, the I crowdfunded, right? Yeah, like I, I like the way it's structured is that like everyone who contributed to the Indiegogo pre-sale campaign, like I, I counted it as a pre-order, right? Yeah, right. I took their their emails down, their addresses, and I literally actually it's funny you mentioned that like just yesterday I sent out all those pre-orders. And again, yes. I, I just considered it to be a pre-order instead of just just donating, right? So again, they get something out of it. And I also, I get to get the money to fund the uh, publishing costs, right? So again, I didn't pay anything out of pocket, but, and the people who contributed, right, they, they get the book, right? It's not just a donation or anything, or they actually do get something out of it. So I, I really like how, how it was like the firm that I was at, they really structured that and how they structured the entire sort of writing process and everything is, is amazing. So that, that's, that's sort of how that's I... That's really cool. How did you promote your Indiegogo? Because that's yeah, quite so, challenging. <laughs> It is. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, I learned a lot. Like, honestly, like I had no sort of experience. Honestly, it's like a product, right? Shipping a product, yes, right? Selling it product, is. whatever it is. So 
I had no experience with marketing, sales, distribution, whatever. And I honestly learned as I went. I, I, yeah. I learned about it and you know, what worked and what didn't as I went. And for the Indiegogo campaign, right, the pre-sale campaign, yes. and also for the post-launch, right, the actual selling the book and everything. Yeah, like, I, I guess how we went about it. First, I, I, I ever, so I did the pre-sale, right, maybe June, yeah, July to August, right, mid-July to mid-August. Yeah. I started writing in January, right? So ever since March till July-ish, I was generating hype, right? I, I was talking about it, right? Creating like small, like, posting tidbits of content, right? What I'm writing about, active on Twitter, right? Active on LinkedIn, Instagram, all these social media platforms, and getting people really excited about the topic, right? One thing that worked for me, right? Every time I interviewed an expert, I would tweet about it, right? I'd, I'd post about it. And, you know, they would retweet it, right? Their followers will see what I'm writing about, right? And I built like a really cool following just by doing that, right? Yeah, tweeting about all the people I'm talking to, right? Tweeting about all the things I'm learning, right? Or on LinkedIn, right? Instagram, whatever, maybe all the platforms, and right? Generate a lot of hype. Then yeah. I launched the Indiegogo campaign, right? So I had this sort of multi-platform strategy, right? I hit all the social media platforms I'm on. Literally, messaged every. I'm not even joking when I say this. I messaged every single friend that I ever had, right? Not, not every single friend, but like every single friend that I'm in contact with, right? All of my cousins, right? All of my family. I, my, my mom and dad, they reached yeah, their, their family, right? Their family in India, right? Their family, yeah, all yes. of our cousins and everyone in, 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 in the country. It was funny. Like they, my parents had probably got me the most sort of contributions just by talking to their <laughs> friends and, and my cousins when I was funny. But you know, like I, they helped me a lot. And yeah, like I, I just hit a lot of people. Yeah, I did a post about it in a lot of communities I'm in, right? A lot of startup communities, a lot of deep tech communities, things like that. You know, Discord, Twitter, yeah. Slack, all these things, right? Everywhere. I, I post about it everywhere. I, I honestly think people got annoyed at me. But again, I got the contributions. I got the sales. I got people interested in it. And that was what? That was July, August area. Yes. So, you know, I, I ended it middle of August, right? Because I got the, the money that I needed. And right ever since mid-August slash September till now, again, generating more hype, talk, tweeting about it, posting yeah. about it, everything, and gathering this hype. And then I had a really cool launch just a couple of weeks ago with, with like you know, a lot of engagement and whatnot. So yeah, it's a process. It was fun though. It was absolutely it was so much fun. I, I just learned as we went. So, so yeah. That's very cool. But that is the way to do it. You learn yeah. so much by doing than by reading. Yeah. <laughs> you, you can yeah, never learn true. by going to, like, it's real life teaches you so much more than university yeah. can never teach you. And and oh that's God, what yeah. I've learned everything. And and as you were saying, we were talking about earlier adversity and all that. And like, after yeah. after graduating in, in New Zealand, so I went to university in New Zealand as well. Yeah. And it's yeah. like, I've applied for probably 500 jobs that I never got. <laughs> but everything I <laughs> yeah. got was through my personal connections networks every business yeah. i've started every partnership i've formed or people i've met it's just yeah. as you were saying earlier that you have to position yourself for serendipity for luck to take take yeah. effect so mm-hmm. yeah that, that's about it and and yeah. that's why i get to meet interesting people like you all around the world now uh, yeah <laughs> just by doing this and yeah mm-hmm. Yeah, so especially now, right now that there are no events <laughs> at at global yeah. level. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, and and definitely like it. Like one thing I realized about like COVID and everything, like I, I obviously have to preface it. Like I was very fortunate; my family's healthy, right? Everyone's yes. okay. Like we had the resources and whatnot. But yeah, I made the most of it, right? And it was this opportunity to write this book, again, to meet people, right? Yes. Again, maximizing serendipity. I, I built this online persona. I was talking yes. to people, joining communities, and and that's what really what helped me with whether with personal development, right? With making connections, right? You got me my position at my dream job already, right? I'm still in university now. I have my dream job. It's just, yeah. just like maximizing terms of, right? Like putting myself out there, doing the hard things. And and again, all these things yeah. came to me. And 
And I know so many examples of other people who did the same thing. It's, I really want people to, to like, to know that, right? Like anyone can do it, I guess, so long as they have an internet connection, but you know, like once, once we break, break down those, all these barriers, like, I think, yeah, we can make more moonshine companies or we could have all these really impactful sort of successful people. And I'm really excited right? that that's really like my life's goal is to just like get more people to do the hard things and, and, and so forth as, as big as that sounds like I just, you know, right. I just want to inspire people, right. Give them the right resources, the right platform, right. right the right audience, right. Everything. And I, I think we could make some awesome changes because of that. So that's very cool. I have a question for you. Apart from your book, is there a book that you are reading right now? Yes. Yeah, so, so it's funny. So throughout the, it, it's actually so funny. So I'll tell you, so I'll tell you a little story. So the last, all right. So I used to read a lot as middle school, elementary school, middle school, right? A lot of, you know, fantasy books, fiction books, whatever it may be. Yes. When I got to high school, I, I just stopped, I stopped reading because it, because that's when a lot of my English teachers, right? Reading teachers, like they would, they would, you know, force books onto us and then we'd read all these, you know, classic ones. I was just so bored of them. I just took away the, the the magic of reading, to be honest. And then and it was funny, like when I started writing this book, I hadn't, I don't think I had read a book for like maybe like a year or so before that. And it was really weird, right? Like, again, like you would expect someone to have extensive reading experience, right? Extensive writing experience. The only writing experience I had was my high school classes, right? And my, my college classes, whatever. I didn't have any sort of traditional sort of experience. And it was obviously it was hard, right? Again, I want to write a good quality book. So I learned a lot about how to write like you know, best writing practices. I, I I practiced a lot. Like again, I had this like year time frame, right? I started in January and then just right now. I just the amount of just like writing I did before I actually started writing the book, because I really wanted to you know get those with good techniques down, right? The, find my voice, right? That was like the biggest yes. thing. That was the hardest thing to do. It was so hard to find my voice, but I wrote a lot. I wrote probably, I, I honestly wrote about maybe a hundred thousand words or so many, I wrote so many words and I cut it all down. Right. Well, that's I, such a actually, good thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. I rewrote the book, I think three or four times, to be honest, just because I, I wrote, I found what works for me. I found my strategies, found my voice, right. Found all the, how I want to structure the book. I cut it down, wrote it again, even refined, right. Even more. And it was, again, it was hard process. It was not easy, yes. but it was so fulfilling in the end. And at the end of the day, like, I, I think like the praise that I'm getting speaks for itself. Like, I think it was a good yes. book. No, hopefully, hopefully it is a good book. I, I definitely do want. Uh, I, I definitely do want people to, yeah, to, to read and everything, and, and and hopefully they enjoy it. But it was definitely like, yeah, it, it was hard, but it was honestly it was fun in the end, and it was fulfilling. Yeah. So, so yeah, we'll see what happens. I just started my launch, just starting selling it. So, so we'll see. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So yeah, back to the question: Are you reading a book right now, apart from yours? Oh, I forgot to answer. <laughs> <laughs> I totally forgot. So, so right, right before I started writing this, I wasn't reading or writing too much. But now, now that I finished the book, I have a lot of time to write, write yes. and do things. Right, so I'm learning a lot about reading, a lot about so a couple of things I'm I'm looking at. Right, a lot of this one thing called complexity science. I really enjoy it. How how systems work, network yes. science, all these cool things. So I'm reading a lot about that. I'm currently reading this book called Twelve. I'm looking at it right now, Twelve Against the Gods. It's all about really these twelve adventurous people. Right, people like you yes. know what's the what's his name Alexander the Great. Right. Yep. Alexander the Great. Um, and, and you know, I think like Thomas Edison. So some like really big people throughout yes. history. Right. These are really 12 adventurous people. So it's a really cool book. I, I just started it. I only read the first chapter. That's why I forgot the other names. But I'm also reading th- this book right here. It's really interesting. It's called The Geography of Genius. So again, I really like creativity, right? Golden ages, things like that. And this book is all about the, the most creative places in the world throughout history, right? So it talks about the Renaissance, yes. right? Golden ages, ancient Greece, and when, you know, how, how we went through all these periods of like transformation and rebirth, right? Renaissance, enlightenment, all these ages yeah. throughout history. And it's just like, you know, what are the underlying factors that really caused them, right? All these, what sort of sparked creativity 
in ancient Greece, but also in Silicon Valley. And, and it's a really cool, really interesting book. Um, again, I just, I like reading multiple books at the same time. So I just started that one. But, but yeah, so I, I really like a lot about reading a lot about those kind of things. Oh, that's very cool. And second to last question, and that is if you had unlimited time, resources, and money, what would yeah. you work on or what would you build? <laughs> I think the answer to that, I'd make more moonshot companies, right? <laughs> like, like, I don't know how or what I'm going to do, but one thing I do want to do personally, right? Yes. What I really like about Lux Apple, actually, right? I really want, like, they are venture builders and venture investors, right? They invest in companies, but they also yes. build and, and incubate companies in-house. I really yes. love that model. So that's what I want to do, honestly. And if I had all the resources all the time, like, that's what I would do. I'd spur, I'd spin out as many companies as possible, right? Solving all the yeah. problems that we need in the world, right? Making all these moonshot companies. And yeah, I'd, I'd, honestly, like, I'm going to, like, devote my entire life to doing that. Like, I, I think it's just, like, it's so fulfilling. It's, like, heroic almost. Like, I, I absolutely yeah. love doing that. And yeah, I had to make as many companies as possible in whatever industries as possible, right? Like space companies and then and, and therapeutics and biotech and, and you know genomics and whatever it may be, all, all you know, med tech and health tech, whatever it may be. And even just like problems like, you know, that that maybe don't need fancy technology, right? Things like poverty, famine and food scarcity and, and homelessness, whatever it may be, right? Like wealth inequality and food inequality, mm-hmm. all these things, right? They don't need some fancy AI or fancy whatever space technology. Like, no, like they just need better, better collaboration between private and public sector, right? The government and, and regular people, right? They just need, you know, more attention. Maybe they simply just need more funding, right? There's so many yeah. you know, better policies, all these things, right? Those are moonshots, right? They're hard problems to solve. Again, maybe they don't need a technology aspect or a science aspect, but still like they they are worth solving. They need to be solved. And I, I truly do want to address those things. So again, right, it's I at the end of the day, like I just want to be this this, this problem solver, right? And if I exactly. had all the money and all the resources, like that's what I would do, right? I'd start this movement almost of, of people really doing these hard things. So, so yeah. <laughs> yep, absolutely. And I will put links to all your books and all your social yeah. profiles and everything in the description. Thank you. Before we go, do you have any any ask? Are you looking for anything? Yeah, yeah. Again, you mentioned it, like, I hope people really read my book, you know, buy my book. It's available all over the world on Amazon, you know, Barnes and Nobles, wherever it may be. I really hope people read that, really internalize what I'm trying to, my, my message, what I'm trying to say, right? really trying to spark this, you know, this movement of moonshot companies and, you know, hopefully make more of them. I, yeah, hopefully my first ask, right? I hope, you know, everyone in person reads the book. Hopefully, hope I hope everyone enjoys it. And if they truly do want to make a moonshot company, like reach out to me. Like my DMs are open on Twitter, LinkedIn. Like yeah, you know, I'll give you my social media links. I'm yeah. here to help everyone. Like I really, I genuinely do want to help more founders, right? More deep tech founders. If they maybe people have all the energy in the world, they just don't know where to put it. That's what that's again. That's what I address in my book, right? Is if anyone wants to reach out, I'm always happy to help, right? If they want to make a company, I'll get them, I'll get them co-founders. I'll get them funding. Like I'll do everything. Like, I really, I really, I genuinely do want to to help everyone. Make yep. more moonshot companies, right? It's the premise of my book. So, 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 yeah. That's great. That's Look, it has been an absolute pleasure talking with you, Rahul. And <laughs> best you. of luck to you and for your book as well, to your book as well. Thank so, you, thank you. Thanks, thanks so much. Thank you, thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Want Money, Got Money with Sam Kamani. Hope you enjoyed the show and got some valuable insights that would help you in your startup or your business. If you haven't already, please subscribe and rate this show on your favorite platform. It would be extremely helpful and I just cannot tell you how much I would appreciate that.